Hey, guys, you're checking out episode 17 with Luke Ryan in studio. And uh, you know what I should say, Chris, is that I've no, – you know I check out the numbers and I could already tell you this episode is going to do well because it seems like this audience, although we cover a wide range of things, they like the special operations veterans. Our biggest episodes really are Jack Murphy, Pat McNamara, and Dale Comstock, like by far. So yes, I like bringing on musicians and actors and all different other people, but this audience gravitates towards the Spec Ops guys, Chris. Uh, well, that's that's just who we have right now. I guess, I guess I, that's your realm, brother. I, I really don't know. You know I don't pay attention to it. You say, <laughs> hey, we've got this many followers. I'm, Is that good? Okay. <laughs> you know? So – yeah, I, and um, but I, Luke, Luke, you know him and I have done some stuff together with uh, when he, with his write up with uh, Coffee or Die uh, magazine. Yeah, which and, we'll, uh, get and, we'll, yeah, we'll get yeah, to. We'll get to that and, in a little and, bit. And Luke's Luke's a ranger. Hey, Luke's a ranger. So and he's he's a, he's a, actually a real ranger. He's from battalion. Yeah, so what, I, I want to get to all this on the show, but yeah. I, just, I just wanted to let the yeah. audience know who Luke is. Um, but and and we'll get to all that. But no, this audience loves those episodes, so I don't want them to think we're abandoning Spec Ops guys by bringing on other people. We're going to make sure oh, we I, regularly I, have these guys. Hey, bro, I'm, I'm okay. We we do whatever. If we, we don't have to always get HGH guys that shave their arms. <laughs> so we don't have to. We don't have to get Pat Mac guys every time. They, can, the I'm, audience I'm good with having other people. The audience likes Pat. But yeah, with that, Fort Scott Munitions is sponsoring every episode. We love those guys. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standards of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. And as I've said before, follow them on Instagram at Fort Scott Munitions because they have some great people working with them. Uh, for example, Chris, like Hank Strange, I've yet to meet him. I know we're going to get him on the podcast at some point, but like that guy is awesome. He's a good. He, I've met him once, and uh, I, I've met his wife once as well. Very good people, just uh, down to earth people. That, that that Fort Scott, you know, if they're gonna have anybody rep them, that's who they want. Is guys like Hank and, and his wife. His wife's like my wife. His wife's one that runs the show. I talked to Hank for like uh, fifteen seconds, but his wife was the boss. You could tell right right away, and that's that's tremendous. That shows some humility, and, and it shows that I believe your priorities in the right spot, and that's what Fort Scott does. They bring people on that have priorities, have ethics. And and it shows in their product, and it shows people that they rep them. They just made a mistake with me somehow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's fantastic. No, Hank's Hank will be great, and I, I can't wait to get on Hank's show too. I hope I get a chance to do that. Which uh, his wife said I would. So if his wife said it, then I know it's set in stone. It's going to happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, we'll so, get him on yeah. at some point for okay. sure. Yeah. Um, but once yeah, again, use exclusive promo code Battleline for fifteen percent <laughs> off your order. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast, FortScottMunitions.com. Uh, Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. With that, we got Luke Ryan in studio. Let's get right into it.
on the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This is the Battle Line Podcast. So as promised, in studio, Luke Ryan, and there's so much to say about your background, man. For one, I've worked with Luke for years, and this is my first time meeting him uh, in person, which is just crazy because I feel like I've met all the journalists I've worked with. But Luke is an Army Ranger combat veteran, four deployments to Afghanistan, uh, retired as a team leader, associate editor of Coffee or Die magazine, which is presented by Black Rifle Coffee, coffeeordie.com author of The Gun and the Sheath, which you have right in front of me here, Poetry by an Army Ranger. That's available right now on Amazon.com. You got a new book in the works. And I mean, there's so much more to say that I've written down here. You've written stuff for the New York Times. You grew up in in, uh, Pakistan and Thailand as the son of aid workers. I don't even know where to begin, but it's great to have you in studio and finally meet you, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Chris, I should ask: Was there any crossover with you guys? Did you guys ever serve at the same point? No, I'm, I'm, I'm. He's, he's a young buck. I'm older than <laughs> I, 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 Luke. Yeah, when did you got in? When probably when I was, well, I was, I got out the army in 2003 and started contracting. You got in after that, right? I, mean, Man, I know we I, discussed it once. I, I finished high school in 2007. See, so. a, I, I keep hearing I was a junior high kid. Yeah, I know. I got you. I got yeah, you. I, I, got I got into battalion in 2010. Yeah, so really, uh, yeah, I'm old. That just tells you how old I am and how young, <laughs> how young Luke is. So no, no crossover there, Ian. Just, to, just in spirit, just in spirit. <laughs> yep, so. yep. But yeah, there's there's so much that you've done in terms of, as I said, the writing and all that. And I think you have just such a versatile background. When people think Army Ranger, they do not think a guy who writes poetry or or what you're doing right now at Coffee or Die. And I should say, you guys have a great team over there between like you. And Marty Scovland, uh, Chris and I would both agree, like solid guys. Yeah, I mean Marty really leads the uh, is the captain of that ship, and he's he's just doing an awesome job. It's great to work as his associate editor. I mean, it's like it's kind of we get to tell these stories that you don't necessarily see come across the regular headlines, or you might see them on the regular headlines, and we get to attack it at a new angle to really find like the meat behind a story. Um, so it's it's been really great working there and, and just trying to like find these new and interesting and compelling angles to stories that, you know, I mean, you hear, for example, you hear a lot of like these, uh, big news headlines that you might see over and over on your aggregate news cycle or whatever. But, um, you know, like to tell the story of a guy who spent his whole, you know, who spent, a good portion of his career with the same military working dog hit him and uh, the handler and his canine and like um, just their sort of life and work together. And then the dog retiring and then, you know, having to, when the dog got old, having to put the dog down and like this emotional journey, you know, being able to tell that and talk to this guy and like tell the stories of the people on the ground. Um, that was just one example, you know, stories like that, you know, try to get to the meat behind these stories and, Marty really 
it's not that he allows that it's encouraged and, and expected. And I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, you know, there it's, it's, it's been really great. And my body of work is slow expanding there, but it's quality and I, I really enjoy it. And I enjoy, I enjoy being able to flesh out these stories that are compelling and interesting to me. Um, you know, ground level stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I'm also the social media manager at Black Rifle Coffee, so I've been enjoying working at that. It's a somewhat new position. I've been there for a few months now, um, but it's it's been it's been really great. I mean, they've been good to me, and yeah, it's a new new chapter in my life, and I've been diving into it. You know, trying to get up to speed. Those guys run at 100 miles an hour, and I'm Seems I'm like uh, it, yeah. catching up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, I, I like I've, we have said it before, and I know Ian said it, Jack and I have Murphy has said it. You know, Ranger Battalion, it it breeds and it does breed a different individual. It doesn't. Guys aren't aren't when they get out that like yourself or like Marty. I say I, I always picture Marty still driving uh, driving down the road in a VW hippie van because that's the <laughs> kind of guy. Marty, but he was he was solid. You know, it's just yeah. it's an eclectic group of people. It's not guys that get out and still want to go work with rogue go want to do work with rogue america and want to show their crossfit stuff and i that's not range battalion it when we're there well, definitely guys are guys are fit because they have to be fit yeah even even the fat guys are fit I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. but correct. when guy, but that's not their thing i you know, like you know jack collect collected comic books when i was there yeah i was a huge huge baseball card collector you know i i like to read i did you you write poetry i yeah that's that's Range Battalion. Yes, we have our we we've got our and I, this is a term of endearment though. We got our Jethro's from South Georgia. We do. We got those there <laughs> battalion. You got them. Yeah. And they're hardcore. And but you also have you also have guys that that on the other and near the spectrum are, are are not. And but when we all come, it's, it's awesome at battalion. When everybody comes together, yeah. it just all works. It all works no matter the personalities that that. And but that's what I love battalion is you just saw so many different personalities there. But when it was time to go to work, everybody was, whether you're a pipe hitter or not, off your job, which most of us weren't. When it was time to go to work, we all were, and it was fantastic, and the teamwork. And that's just that's different from regiment. I, it really is. And, and being with the agency, and working with the seals, and working guys with the guys that were former unit guys or current unit guys, or so it's just. It, it, it's it is different and it, it's it's special and uh and um that's why i i don't like to be lumped in i know i i don't i don't mind when people say it i don't say anything but when like they say rangers and they say 75th it's just i don't unless you've been there you really don't see that there are so many different different sort of mindsets there and uh we may not all get along we're off because of the different things that we do, we may break into different directions. But once we're there on at the barracks, once we're there on the at the uh, at the battalion, whatever we are at, it, it it all comes together, and it's it's amazing to see. Like Luke's a perfect example, and Marty's a perfect example, Jack's a perfect example. But then you've got Matt Best on the other side of the spectrum, which is completely on the, on, on what you might think a ranger would be. But he he that, does work for Matt Best, technically. Yeah, I know, and that's that's what's so on. I know. I oh no, I know. I know Evan. I know Matt. I've known I've known Rocco. I you know those guys were all privates when I was leaving battalion. That just shows how old I am. I those guys were were new 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 scroll guys when I was had my tab when I was a team leader leaving. But that's the beauty of it is that. You no, know, I, I would say Matt. And again, I, I know just know Luke from from what we've done together. But I would say I would put money on it if you had me bet that yes, personality wise, you're completely different. Just from me speaking to both you and I, am friends with Matt. But 
when it came to go to work, nobody cared about those personality differences. We're just rangers and we're together and we're there to do whatever mission we need to do. And it's amazing. And I just love seeing it because it, it this makes me smile and I'm very proud to be part of that 75th brotherhood. And, uh, and then yeah. you got idiots like me, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm like really the redheaded stepchild. Not literally you are ginger, <laughs> but I figure it to the redheaded stepchild. Like you're Tano, he's just an idiot, but no, uh, no, I think, it's, it's, I, I'm glad you're doing well, brother. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think all of the, what you're talking about, I mean, all of those different mindsets all orbit around the same thing and it's, it's accomplishing, you know, the, the, yeah. the sort of, known phrase is accomplishing the mission whatever the singular mission is but i think in ranger battalion it's very it's very fleshed out to to cover every aspect of your life and you know whether that the mission is to take a hill or knock out a bunker or whether the mission is to stay up all night and mop some stupid floor like (laughs) that's like whatever you are set out to do that's what that's what you you know, you dedicate your life to this thing, this this craft, this moment, whatever it is, whether you like it or whether you don't like it. And I think um, a lot of rangers really thrive with that mentality. And the trick is to apply that to civilian side when you to these new things that you're doing to be able to exactly. to yep. to take those things and to say, OK, I'm going to take that same mentality and apply it to like this math class that I'm in or apply it to, you know, uh, I, I like to write. I'm a, I, I am like a writer. There's a huge business side that goes alongside to writing that I don't necessarily like very much. But if it's what I'm deciding to do, then that's something that I need to dedicate all of my efforts to and focus on and be successful at. Otherwise, I can't accept, expect the entire mission to be a success if you know I'm lacking in a certain area. Whether I want to do it or not is like, you know. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> you just got to do it. If you got to do it, you got to do it. And I think a lot of rangers thrive when they are able to make that, you know, adaptation into civilian life. No, you, you're, you're spot on. It's a hundred percent. And then some stands tall with every, everyone right. that's been at 75th. And, and you and I discussed that when we did that article about why are guys not being able to transition yeah. once they get out of the military. And that's where I said, well, most 75th guys do. And that's because, they just focus on whatever mission is next. The guys that right. don't are the ones that don't. They, they think the mission is still an army mission. It's still what we were doing in the yeah. unit. No, your mission is now whatever mission that may be, and nobody's telling you what that is. Now you've got to figure it out for yourself. But like you just said, if you're going to do it, though, and once you figure that out, you go 100%, and you do it the best of your ability, even if it's mopping floors. I yeah. I prided myself on mopping floors and shining <laughs> floors. So like, yeah. oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the best I can at it and make that thing shine. Yeah. But, it, brother, you're, you're that, you hit the nail on the head, and I hope people out there are listening and those veterans out there listening that are struggling right now. Don't look at your past. You did that. You're awesome. Look at that as far as learning. Now figure out what that new goal is and then go for it. And it's like an op order. Here's your op order. All right, go ahead, knock it out and go at hundred percent. And I should throw out there the article that you're talking about is Boone and Tonto on moving forward after Benghazi attack. And you did that last year for the anniversary of the uh, attack on Benghazi. You got to interview both Chris and Boone. Yep. Yeah, no, and it was great. I mean, and that's something that I wanted to focus on. Actually, just going back to what, you know, why I like writing there and, and all this stuff and get trying to get these n- new sort of angles on stories that people care about. I mean, I want to know like, okay, I mean, this is a story that, that many of us are familiar with. Certainly our readers are familiar with. Um, what are these guys doing to move forward? What are they doing now? You know, what are, what what is this what what new mission have they latched onto? And I was really interested in because I you know back then before I wrote the article, um, 
I didn't know what the answer to that was. Sure. <laughs> and I was interested to know. I wanted to know. I mean, I write stuff that I would want to read. So like, uh, it was just, you know, I think it's, it's so, it's powerful to me and it's, it's, and it's inspiring to see other people, um, you know, go through difficult experiences and then to come out and to say, Hey, you know, like everybody comes out with other, these kinds of things with scars and they're yeah. all unique to themselves and they're all unique to yeah. situations. Yeah, yeah. But like, what do we, what do we do now? You know, what, a, how are we going forward? Yeah. I was going to say, it's important to spotlight that because on the other side of the narrative of 22 veterans a day, Killing themselves, unfortunately, which I don't know if it's completely accurate from the stuff I've read, but sure. I, I, it doesn't matter if it's two or 22. It's, right, it's right. too many. Yeah. Uh, but there's just as many guys, if not more, thriving and saying, hey, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Yeah. And I'm going to, you yeah. know, if I could get through this, I can get through anything. I, actually, for me, working with Chris has calmed me down at times because <laughs> behind the scenes, there's been times with this podcast where something goes wrong. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but there's there's been a few things that have happened, and Chris will be like, ah, it's all good, man. And I realize it's because I've I've experienced some things in my life, but nothing like Chris. So it puts things into perspective. You never say it, but you're like, look, I was waiting 13 hours under fire. Uh, I- this is this is a cakewalk, and it makes me realize because I come from. Uh, the world of radio, where if something goes down or there's an issue, you know, it's like, what the fuck is going on here? And people are freaking out. And for you, you're like, this is nothing. We'll be okay. And, and, but that's that's the truth. You just let it. And and you're awesome. You you roll with it all. For a New Yorker, you're probably the most laid back. <laughs> now that's we're putting that in perspective. You're still a hundred times more gypped up than somebody here in Nebraska. Probably, but yeah. Still, a, but you're still a, you're still a laid back New Yorker for the most part. You 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 you, you keep a calm head. After you you spin up to about a hundred, you can calm yourself down real quick. It's part it's partially can. because of you, man. It really no, is because I've worked with other people who every, every situation is a major panic. And like I said, it says a lot about the same type of thing that Luke wrote about you. That you know you thrive to go on to that next mission because of what you've been, you know. What you've experienced. You do put things in perspective, and that's why Luke's been successful. That's why Marty's been successful, and they're both writers. Like he said, there's there's parts of it that he doesn't like. I'm some I'm sure some of it is is that where they, he has to deal with people. And Luke, you you can tell us a story. I'd like to hear one, but of somebody that you've dealt with that was completely high strung. And I'm saying civilian again. That's I'm not using that as a derogatory term, but I'm saying civilian that just totally out of control. And you're, and you kept a cool head, and maybe even calmed them down just by the, by your actions, and not not maybe it may have been unintentional. Sometimes for me, it's just unintentional. It's like, eh, it'll be all right, man. We'll get through it. We'll, we'll re-record it. It's no big deal. You know, yeah. But, and one big thing I just learned from just I guess combat in general is that like, um, I mean, I've always been a generally I think more or less calm person. Um, but one thing that I learned and that I have to keep telling myself, and I've faltered in this area from time to time, is that outside of combat. Uh, problem solving, freaking out, allowing anxious sort of feelings to bubble up, uh, being driven by your own fear or your own anxiety or whatever. Um, It's easy to let that happen, but um, it's also easy for that lie that to, to sneak into your brain that tells you that um, that fear is rational and helpful because it's not. And, and in combat, you know um, I can't speak for everyone else, but for myself, you know, terrified, scary, like, uh, but the difference is, is like a lot of training and knowing what to yeah. do and knowing how to do it, um, makes it so that fear just doesn't affect your hands pretty much. So, you, you know, you are now, 
you can be effective and it just doesn't affect you. You put it in your in a corner of your brain. Maybe you need to deal with it later. You know, in the civilian world, you can sometimes deal with it now. Um, but it just freaking out. <laughs> you know, whether it's a business situation or um, you know uh, whether it's corporate business or like you know you're you're trying to start a business or whatever it is. Um, if when you're coming up across all these obstacles, having like you know, these anxious feelings about a problem or, or this fear that's coming into your, into your head, like it's not useful. And so trying to train your brain to, to put that to the side and, you know, do things that are useful problem solve. Well, that, that's just, a, and, uh, it, it's important, bro. That's, yeah. and that's as being a private, when you're an untapped private going into battalion, I said, I'm dating myself. I was ripped. You were probably rasp. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, and and we did get hazed. I'm sure you guys did a little bit. You don't yeah. have to talk about it. I'll say it now because most of my guys that I work with, the commanders are since gone, so I, I can talk about it. But it was necessary because that's what got you ready. That 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 fear of that tab spec four breaking down your door at the barracks and smoking your butt bags when he was drunk, and you're hiding in fear in your room, thinking, "Please leave me alone. I just want to be left alone. I just want to be left alone." That fear, that people, like, oh, that's just hazing. No, actually, that fear, that little feeling of adrenaline that, and then you still had to still come out eventually. You couldn't hide in your room forever. You got to come out eventually. Yeah. Um, that really is what that stepping stones were to where you getting sh- where that fear was being addressed when you were about ready to go into a, 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 a firefight because it sounds so romanticized when you say yeah, it, no, you're going sure. into it and you're going into a stressful environment where something bad might happen where someone right. might die or yeah. somebody some but that that little beginning stress that's where it started to build up and i have much respect especially when i went in i was very lucky that uh my first rip, and I'm proud to say this, my first rip cadre, one of the cadre members was Sergeant Jeff Struker. How lucky was I to have Sergeant yeah. Struker from Somalia as my, when I was a private? And I didn't, I honestly, I didn't really, really know. I didn't know the story of, of Black Hawk Down a lot at that point in time. I didn't. But to have a guy like that, that and we got hammered. I got like Rip was, Rip was a, Rip was a bitch. That was, we got crushed. But it was, <laughs> yeah. but it was so necessary to have that, have somebody like that. Yeah that had that experience, which at that yeah. time, really, there wasn't a ton of Rangers that had combat experience when I went through in right, 95. Right. So, uh, and so I, so I admire you guys because I bet every damn rip cadre, uh, rasp cadre you have every damn 75th cadre there. That's at the training facility. It's probably been, has got stereo scrolls and has probably been through it. And so you guys are getting prepped oh, yeah. right off the bat, brother. So, uh, yeah, and most, it does, it tra- most, translates well. Most of my cadre, I think they'd probably have four or five, six deployments under their belts by the time they're at, you know, RASP cadre. Um, but yeah, that wealth of experience, you know, that's something they pass on. And like to your point, I mean, it's that problem solving is what it is, yes. really what it is under in stressful situations. Under stress, under duress, you got to yeah. be able to, you got to be able to still tie that knot under duress. You can't <laughs> yeah. tie that knot under duress. I, but that's, that's the beauty of it. And, and that's the beauty yeah. of, of, of being, being at Range Battalion. And I know the other units, the other SOCOM units do similar things as well. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. no, 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 it's, it's well said, brother. Well said. Yeah. yeah. And you know what I was wondering? I, I think I've gotten it, uh, into, into this with you, you know, previously. But for this audience in particular, they might want to hear about your background of growing up in Thailand and Pakistan. It's unlikely someone's going to say, I have a dream of becoming an army ranger. Like, where did that come about? <laughs> so I, I grew up in northern Pakistan. Um, most, 
you know, probably the majority of my childhood. I, I lived in Pakistan for about nine to 10 years. It's about 10 years with a couple six month breaks in there. And then uh, I lived in Thailand after that for about five years. And my parents still live in Thailand. So my parents oh, wow. have been there since 2002, I guess. Yeah. 2002, 2003 era. Um, so, yeah, I I went to an international school, finished, you know, it was basically an American school in Thailand, finished in Thailand, um, was homeschooled slash went to a British boarding school for a bit in Pakistan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was I, I had a lot of sort of that had a big impact on me in joining Ranger Battalion. I'd say like um, some some of the direct, uh, I guess, um, inspirations or reasons for joining battalion but the biggest one is just because i was a young dude that wanted to do cool stuff i mean that <laughs> that does pretty much the <laughs> the, that's, the universal that's how reason we all are, brother. yeah but <laughs> <That's> uh <right. laughs> but i mean i had i like for example growing up in northern pakistan you know in the 90s we moved there in 93 um i i knew who the taliban were you know all growing up you know and all throughout the 90s i knew that they were really bad dudes uh i very obviously living there, you know, it's not like you have this broad uh, generalization of all the people there, you know, they're totally separate from, uh, you know, all the people that I lived around and that I was with. In fact, back then in the 90s, all the Taliban were over the border in Afghanistan. So it's like uh, uh, we would have less direct contact with them and more direct contact with a lot of refugees coming over, a lot of local Afghans that were, for whatever reason, on the run. Um, and I just meeting a couple of those people and really getting to know their stories, you know, people that would refuse to fight for the Taliban and then get thrown out in the desert to die and then walk over the border and somehow make it and, you know, come across us and we'd help them get to Canada or Norway. My, my, well, not me. I was a kid, my parents, <laughs> um, you know, and like just hearing their stories and these really awesome, just amazing people, you know, incredible people under the threat of death, you know, refusing the Taliban, what they want. And, you know, basically a lot of them did get killed. Um, so, you know, I knew who they were. And then, uh, after nine 11, it got really dangerous in, in Pakistan. Um, you know, the Taliban started to flood over the border, obviously, uh, was, it was a huge one. Things got really complicated. A lot of things over my head as a kid. Um, but, um, and then in eighth grade, uh, some, I was going to a British, boarding school, which isn't the stereotype of what you think it is, is just a normal school where they, you know, run by British people. <laughs> uh, we didn't like wear plaid, like, I don't know, little suits little, or whatever. Yeah, that is a little picture. Right. I wish. Yeah. In retrospect, that would have been super cool, but no. Um, so, uh, but uh, terrorists attacked the school when I was a kid. That was my first sort of introduction into the world of combat. So it was a school shooting, uh, overseas. Um, and, uh, none of the students were killed by a series of miracles, but, um, you know, some of the staff were killed and, you know, that I think, I don't think that that affected a lot. I mean, it probably had a lot of, it definitely had a lot of influence in just joining battalion, I think. But the biggest one was, the fact that I knew that I wouldn't freak out if something like that happened, I think that was really a bigger uh, influence. I didn't see them as like, oh, I'm going to, you know, take revenge on these people or something like sure. that. Um, but so, you know, and, and then I uh, so we left after that. It was too dangerous. Basically, I mean, we had gone through a lot of stuff uh, there, a lot of 
various dangers, uh, a lot of fighting between uh, Sunni and Shiites, uh, a huge like basically nuclear cold war between India and Pakistan. And my family's policy was that we would stay there because they're aid workers. They're there to help people. You know, these were people that were so many of them are just amazing, awesome people in northern Pakistan. And like, you know, we loved them. We wanted to be with them and we wanted to help them, you know, just with medical stuff. Uh, And my dad is an eye eye doctor. um, And so he had an eye clinic and people go blind from cataracts there. You know, it's a very simple operation takes would take them 30 minutes and then, you know, take the eye patch off the next day, person can see, you know, they haven't seen wow. their grandkids, you know, or some, ever, you know, and yeah, like, um, so really cool stuff. Uh, our family's policy, my parents' policy was that we would suffer the fate of the people there. Um, if it was, if it was something that everyone is suffering, but we would leave if we were targeted as Westerners. So when that did happen, um, you know, most of the people there, the vast, vast majority of the people there were not targeting us, but you know, it only takes one person. Um, especially if you're, you know, I was a kid, my brother was a kid and my parents, you know, they're, they're not like there to, you know, start a war with anyone. They're just trying to help. So it just got too much. And, um, as after the attack on the school, it was it, that was it. So we left and the whole school kind of went to Thailand and it's a long story, but it was a segue into, um, my dad doing aid work, uh, next door in, in Burma and Thailand being a very, uh, awesome, relaxed, peaceful place to live compared to, you know, especially compared to Pakistan post nine 11. Um, and it was, so I, that was borderline just going to school in America, you know? Um, I mean, it was pretty similar to that. So, um, but while we were there, uh, we became family friends with Dave Eubanks. I don't know if you know that name. Um, he's uh-huh. he's a former 275 officer, and then he was in SF for a while. He uh, run he ran or runs Free Burma Rangers, which is a aid organization that also works in Burma, and kind of became family friends with him. And then there was a couple other uh, 275 Rangers that we met. Uh, one guy, uh, Johnny Goleska, and he was a team leader in 275 back in the 90s. Nice. Um, and I mean, you know, so I had these influences now in high school and I, you know, uh, I was already kind of leaning in those directions and then I meet these former Rangers and, you know, at at that point it was just a matter of time really. Uh, so they're great. I know the names Dave and I've never met. So about we've, I've known the name and I, we may have, honestly, we may have even met in passing and I just, sure. I, I'm yeah, yeah. but uh, no, I've never heard anything negative about him at all from anyone. And so, yeah, that was tremendous. It's amazing how pathways work, brother. Yeah. Like you ended up sure. going to range of Italian, <laughs> yep. being in Burma and Thailand, but <laughs> yeah, the free Burma free those guys from what, and I've never had the, 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 the blessing or the opportunity to, to work with them, but I heard, they're just they're just animals man. i mean as yeah. far as that means just just hard as nails just right some of the toughest toughest guys out there so i and i'm i would have liked to back in the day i'm too old now i don't like pain <laughs> now i'm, I'm good i'll, I'll take a great <laughs> yeah. word for it yeah but that's amazing dude. that that is yeah. so amazing and then now did you pick when you did you pick two uh, now uh, like, i, I know what you're gonna you're ask and i have an answer for you <laughs> yeah you're, you're so, a three, you, you yeah. were 375 right with with tom with with block right yep yeah yeah yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. So yeah, and, and, go ahead. So I, yeah, what you're going to ask. So I know all these two seven, five guys. Um, I also yeah. had a lot of f- family or not family, but personal sort of connections up in, um, the Northwest. And yep. so the RASP cadre after RASP finished, they were like, it, I was in the sixth RASP class. So it was still kind of a new thing. And he was like the, 
NCOIC was like, all right, pick which battalion you want to go to. Everybody pick your battalion. This is a new RASP thing you didn't get to used to. It used to be by assignment, and now you get to pick. And so pretty much everybody went in the – I'd say about 70% of the people went in the 175 yeah. line, which so for those of you who don't know is Savannah, Georgia, you know, just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, who do, who you doesn't know. want to go be on the beach? Right. The, exactly. the stereotype again, or with one seven five. If you're going down there, you're going to marry a you're going to marry a swimsuit model. That, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. that's a stereotype. I, yep. I don't know. I never. Yeah, go ahead. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, there was probably about five, four or five of us that got in the two seven five line, and then one guy got in the three seven five line because he his family's like from there. <laughs> and two seven five is where? That's Fort, in Fort Lewis, like North right North. next to Seattle gotcha. or near yep. Seattle. Um. So, uh you know, beautiful mountain stuff. And then there's Columbus, Georgia, which is three, seven, five. Um, and, and then he, the dude was just like, he was just like, fuck you guys. You're all going to three, seven, five. <laughs> Nothing's changed. So well, that, he let us get, awesome. he let us get all in line and, and then broke our little hearts. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we all went up in three, seven, five, but you know, it's like, it's like anything else, you know, you, once you get there and you meet all the people, you can't even imagine going anywhere else. You know, it's like, so yeah. so blessed to have known those people and and deployed with those guys and trained with those guys and all that stuff. Um, no, we we razz each other. The battalions razz each other. Yeah. But every guy that's gone to that respective battalion, we all we all are dedicated to it. So, yeah. I, I'll, yeah. I, so if I went to three seven five, I'd be giving crap to two seven five. Yeah. So so yeah. So it's in Columbus. Yeah. It, it's it's nobody wants us because that's you've been there since basic training. I really I think that's yeah. why a lot of guys don't want to stay there because well, I've been here for what now? Air, basic airborne school. Hopefully I didn't recycle. Now I've got RASP and instead of that being three weeks, now it's eight weeks. Yep. So now you've been there for uh, close to five months. Everybody wants to leave Benning. Nobody wants yeah, to stay I mean, in Benning. The first time I left Benning was after I joined the army was um, my first deployment, and then coming back from that was. Well, I guess leave doesn't really count. But yeah, I mean, as far as actually doing stuff in the army, the first time I left Benning was my first deployment and then coming back and then Delonaga Ranger School. You know, because the no. first phase of Ranger School is even, you know, is Benning? So yeah, you like, go come Benning. on, man. Like, get me out of here. Hey, guys, sorry to interrupt our own conversation here. We're putting this in in post here. But uh, this episode is sponsored by Thadia. If you haven't yet worn or heard of the apparel brand Thadia, then you need to experience the brand. Thadia is the first apparel brand to literally mean courageous and brave. It's what we seek from ourselves, from the heroic individuals who protect us to the athlete and to the everyday individual. Thadia represents the courage and bravery within us all. Thadia has taken its profound meaning and combined it with enhanced tech apparel to give individuals the unique apparel brand that reflects their own courage and bravery. No longer are the words courage and bravery only used to describe the actions of individuals. Now these words are ingrained within the apparel you wear. Check out Thadia online at Thadia.com. Once again, T-H-A-D-D-E-A.com. And experience the brand of the courageous and brave and the KTP apparel line, of course, the apparel line dedicated in the name of this guy, former U.S. Army Ranger and 2012 Benghazi survivor Chris Peranto. And before I finish uh, this read, I also wanted to say that uh, when I gave Thaddea the list of like who is coming on, they were like, get us on the episode of Luke Ryan. So they were psyched to have uh, you on for this one, man. Right on, right on. Yeah, so I, I I know you are constantly wearing their stuff, Chris, to the gym, everywhere else. And how yeah. how long has it been since you've really hooked two, up with Scott? Two two and a half years in in Knoxville, Knoxville, Tennessee. I actually, did a photo shoot, and then I did a did another one for him in Nashville. And actually, we found out that 
doing the professional photos now with the days and age of the these phones coming out, it's it's almost better for me just to do photos just in my basement in my little gym down there <laughs> or when I'm at the gym. So um, no, but we've been with two years, and my wife's my wife is one of their uh, a brand ambassadors. She doesn't want to be called them because she I, she I don't see her as a model either. She didn't want to be like a model, a fitness model. Yeah, she but said she, that on the she, last show. She was like, yeah, please she, not. <laughs> yeah, nah. and she doesn't have, believe me. She's she doesn't have. I, it, it is a Are you saying your wife doesn't look like a model? She's, she's no, she does. She's gonna she kick her ass, them, and I don't want to. I don't want to offend all the fitness models out there, <laughs> but she doesn't have that influencer. Yeah, you know, I love that word now that we said influencer <laughs> mentality. You know, she definitely not. Tanya's just Tanya. No, she's she's an athlete. She and she was. Uh, I said we've we've said it before. She's an all American volleyball player. She's still a, a, a tremendous athlete, and she just happens to look good. <laughs> so, so and she looks good. In, in their clothes and and you know, no fatty has always made good stuff and it you know it's it's that good form fitting material good form fitting but it's not compression yes not that compression stuff which uh, you know what i for certain for certain things like when i used to play football sure i want compression stuff under my football pass but to go to the gym and that compression stuff carrying that gallon jug with my pre-workout i don't do that i'm making fun a little bit i'm poking fun a little bit you guys out there but yeah that's that's not my thing but having something form-fitting that's comfortable and you don't get that nipple rub you know that you know you guys know what i'm talking about that old shape yeah yeah, that's it's it's tremendous, and and again, Scott is Scott over there is Scott Talent is his name. He, he's just a tremendous human being, and Ian and I have said it before. We you know we like products, but we also look at the at the ethics, and and I, I look at the ethics of people that I, I I represent that I'm blessed enough to be asked to represent. And Scott's ethics are are second to none, just like for Scott, just like uh, you know Ned who we got on it, just like um uh, also uh, you know with we, when we had um. Uh, uh, everyday grind coffee yeah, yeah and they, they may be doing people. a show soon uh another show I, i've been in touch but yeah no they're great once uh once again as i said on the episode with tanya i would say go true to size on most stuff for men yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. apparel brands should be more than just performance based and fortunately now it can be said mission accomplished thadia inspired by the heroic and worn by the courageous and brave follow thadia on instagram once again t-h-a-d-d-e-a Twitter or Facebook and visit them online at thadia.com. Also, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition out perform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order, only available to listeners of the Battle Line podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battle Line Tactical, and the Battle Line podcast. With that, let's get right back to this episode with Luke Ryan in studio. 
I, I know it's a, it's a you know, PC world now, but gosh, go back to the day and just, I remember victory drive when it was actually victory drive man. <laughs> when it just, when it had the debauchery all down it. And, uh, but I was, I was still shocked to see that still that hotel in that corner that's up by Ranger Joe's that was still there. I, and I, I, I can't, it's that right where us cav used to be. I know it's something else now. It's not us cav. It's a uh, commandos. And oh was, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's a seedy hotel in that <laughs> you just don't go. I mean, you walk in the, you're going to catch VD walking in. But that, but that's the arm. But in now, Victory Drive has cleaned up quite a bit. And <laughs> and uh, uh, but it is. It's it's. I still love going back to Benning, dude. Because every time that yeah. feels like a second home. Even though yeah. I, even because you're you're always going back there for something if you're with yeah. the 75th. It's always doing something. So yeah. Now, bro. I, Great, great story, dude. And 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 uh, I know if Ian's got something for you, if not, I, I kind of wanted to hear. Um, and Ian, I'll, I'll give you a second here. But I, I wrote about Tom Block in, in Patriots Creed, and yeah. I know you you're actually on that op, right? If I'm not yeah. if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, I don't know how much you can talk about it. I, Tom to me is just a freaking warrior. That yeah, dude, it, it's for, But um, if if uh, if we got a second, maybe five five minutes, just however long, I, I'd like to kind of know even more. I know I know a little bit of what Tom did, but the op itself, you know, because you only have so many pages. What, what can you tell me a little bit about that? That's not classified that you can get into because I, I would like to know a little bit more about it. Because to me, that was just an amazing heroism from you, not just Tom, but from, I mean, many of you on, on that day and night, man. I'd, I'd just like to hear about it, man. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I can go over it briefly. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty much just like a standard mission to start out with. You know, it was one of those missions where it was, you think there's, nothing really is going to go down and that's the one where everything goes down. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we hit the ground, you know, we landed right on top of them and, uh, um, I was on, uh, basically anybody who would take off running me and my team were designated to go chase them down. Um, Tom, Tom block and, and his team were, gonna we we had like half of our platoon we were really sh- we were we weren't short we were the other half of the platoon went to uh another uh another objective so okay. um which thank god because it would have been a lot worse with a lot more people but yeah man i mean we just we landed on the ground and and uh a guy took off which isn't totally he took off running which isn't totally um like unusual when you land a helicopter right on top of somebody pretty much <laughs> that sure, they're scared sure. and they run away. So, you know, it's not necessarily like, Oh, it's on, you know, I, you know, I ran across this field to chase this dude down and my guys came with me along with uh dog handler and, and EOD um, and some leadership trailing behind us. And, you know, we, we chased him down and he sort of uh, um, kind of goaded us into a smaller ambush in a valley, um, which I won't, oh, okay. I won't get into super, super a lot, but, uh, basically the, ha- the handler made a, a life saving, one of many life to saving decisions that night. Uh, he made, uh, a decision to, um, let the, let the dog go off leash and at the very last second and the dog whose name was Yanni was killed and, you know, I owe my I, my life and the, uh, the other dude on my team also. Um, we owe our lives to the that handler and his decision and um, that dog. Uh, so uh, back at the compound, basically there was just a lot of um, explosions going off. So we, you know, um, busted ass to get back there. And um, what had happened was that there was. 
essentially a, a minefield, I guess you could call it. It was a bunch yeah. of pressure plates yeah. under the surface, um, but they weren't plugged in when I ran across it all. They were all like, um, it was all disarmed. So when they surrounded the compound, got plugged in. So then it, it, it'd sort of be like if you teleported into the middle of a minefield. Um, and a lot of things are going on. It was very confusing and, and it's kind of harder to explain. And, and my timeline is a little bit disjointed. And probably if you ask the same story from 10 other guys, you get 10 different stories. But basically <laughs> the, um, which, yeah, you know, it goes, um, but basically the, uh, you know, I mean, you got, you got guys like, um, yeah, like, Brian Anderson, who who got the Distinguished Service Cross, he was the medic. He was just going from guy to guy, you know, doing what he could, risking his life. I mean, EOD is just, I mean, clearing from guy to guy, trying to get everyone, sure, like, yeah. uh, just get everyone safe so that everyone has clear paths out of there. So basically, we were, you know, the enemy was taken care of, but we were still like in this huge imminent danger. Tom was yeah. hurt real bad. Uh, we had no idea who was like it was. An, it was to the point where we didn't really know who was who was like alive or dead. Yeah. And there was a yeah. lot of, exp- I think the, I don't know what the final tally official tally was for explosion count somewhere around 12, 13. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, so I, we basically carried the wounded out first and whoever we could save, we saved. And, um, I mean, really I just did what, what you're supposed to do. A lot of guys went above and beyond, you know, like you got guys like, you know, they, like I said, EOD medic, all you know dog handler all these guys making these very decisive heroic decisions um their hero their heroism being in their bravery but also in their decisiveness and their ability to be effective and also doing that under such duress and then going above and beyond you know and really like uh saving a lot of people's lives you know and there were four uh we had four killed in action and yeah. the wounded count is probably um just depends on whether you go by friendlies or Americans, because we had um, some Afghan guys with us, uh, but wounded was uh, around thirty. Um, that's that's a, yeah. You guys, I again, I, 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 you don't have to relive it all, brother. It's 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 it's. I get it. I, I know how hard it is to do that. I just because I, I don't realize that a lot of those stories out there. You know, you see stuff where where there's you know somebody sees like you know it's like thirteen hours. Yeah, people get to see that, but they don't get to see other heroic actions. And I do believe that you're a hero, and you don't, you don't, and I get it. Don't you don't have to agree or disagree with me. Just, just shut your mouth, <laughs> shut your mouth, Ranger. All right, but but also, you know, Tom and, and and there's that kind of stuff within regiment. The stories that 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 uh, that went on. Regiment was extremely extremely effective. And but there's a lot of that 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 went on, and but but you still completed the mission. That was the fantastic thing about it. And you still you you, you still got everybody out. No one was left behind. You still upheld the Ranger Creed, and we like oh well, don't get into that dang that that, that cliche stuff. Well, no, yeah, I'm going to because that's important, and that's why everybody continues. That's why you guys. That's why you guys did what you did. You did. You did well, and you were caught in a really bad situation. I can't even imagine. You know that that with being in a minefield, running into it, then having yeah, that really, and that's literally how. I don't think people realize how the, the 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 enemy can. The enemy has some effective tools as well in doing that. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, for sure. That's that that's that's simple. That's simple what they did. And, yeah. And, yeah, but I, I I I admire you, brother. I want to say, and that's why I wanted to say, not just to hear your story, but just so I could say thank you because I think you 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 and your team did amazing from what I knew. I, and I, 
appreciate that. that. And just, you know, just going across some of those names, man. I mean, like guys like uh, Josh Hargis, who's the uh, dog handler or Tom Block, yeah. you know, um, both wounded pretty seriously. But I mean, those dudes, I mean, they're just like, you know, you go to a battalion and, and you know what I'm talking about. You go to battalion yeah. and there are people who are just like, you know, I, I made it through ranger school and I, I'm like getting to these leadership positions, these junior leadership positions. And, and I'm feeling like, okay, you know, I'm still trying to like keep up. I'm still trying to like tread water and just stay like, don't fire me, please. Like, you know, that's, I mean, in my outs outwardly, I'm like, all right, let's do this. Like, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this, and like, whatever. But inwardly, I'm like, oh my God, dude, like these guys that I'm next to, these guys are animals. These guys are monsters and they're smart. They're smarter than me. They're stronger than me. And they're just awesome. You know, they're like, and you know, Tom, Josh, like these guys, they're like the epitome of that. I mean, these guys are like, uh, um, I mean, they just yeah, like yeah. Brian Anderson, you know, just such an awesome medic. And like, of course, you know, you like them personally, but just, I mean, everything tactically, like skill wise. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a practical job. So you, whether people like you or not is directly tied to how good you are at what you yeah. do. From, so, from an like, outsider's perspective, it seems like, and just meeting all of you guys, first time meeting you in person, but sure. I, I've met, you know, all the guys that we've worked with over the years. I feel like everybody goes through that. Uh, you know, reading Jack's book where he, yeah. I, I think, bravely talked about that friendly fire incident. I, he felt like pretty early on, I'm going to be out of here. Um, you know, our friend James Powell when he talks about being recruited by the CIA and being in a room and feeling like I'm not as good as these guys. I, yeah. I, I don't deserve to be here. I was just a Marine. I'm in a room with special ops guys. I'm in a room with Harvard grads. And that great story of that woman at the CIA grabbing him and saying like, hey, look like you belong here. <laughs> there's yeah. a reason that they yeah, picked you. So I think everybody has that indecisive feeling. But you, you're obviously a badass, man. There's well, a reason why you went through what you went through. And and But I think everybody – I mean you, you, you probably included, Chris, goes through those moments where you're like, I'm not, I'm not on the level of these guys next to me. I, I think it's just it's, – it's maintaining some humility – and and also most I, I would say most rangers that I've met and that I've worked with, not all of them. There's some arrogant bastards too, and I've been arrogant <laughs> at times too. Believe me, believe. Me, but most of them, it, it's and what it is, Luke. You're humble, dude. You're you and and regiment. We, we we make fun of each other. You know, you you've got Matt doing his thing with with which is basically doing the stuff the the, the when he broke out and it's the stuff we used to do at battalion when we used to make fun of people. With the, the, the <laughs> yeah, that, that's what. Yeah, he's, yeah. But. But, you know, a lot of that was behind closed doors and, and it was a lot of it was. Yeah, it was. It, it, so people see like, oh, those arrogant SOB. No, not really. We were just having fun trying to kill the t- kill time. But the majority of time it was it was, man, I got to get up this morning and prove myself again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know, yeah. I, I, it, it was. I hope I don't get fired today. Oh, my gosh. We're going on a five mile run. I, it, and it, you, know, you do eight million of them, but you're like. Gosh, man, I, I hope who's going to beat me today, or I got to push it today. And uh, it, it was going to the range, man. I better shoot. I better shoot whatever I had to shoot today because I know the guy that's behind me. He's going to be shooting while I can't falter. It, it was. It's just, and that's why it's stressful every day being deep being at battalion because every morning you have to wake up. You really do feel like you have to prove yourself every day. It's what yeah. What did I do yesterday? Who gives a shit what you did yesterday? Right. <laughs> what What are you going to do today? Yeah. But that's what that's what made seventy fifth. That's what makes Ranger Battalion 
what it is, man. That's why you have yeah. guys like yourself and Tom, and you have guys like uh, even uh, yeah, I, I got Sergeant. His name, uh, Sergeant Matty Waters, who lost his leg to an RPG attack. Leroy, uh, you know, uh, Petrie, who was went through basic training with me. I was with the uh, with Leroy. Mm -hmm. Leroy went through basic. It's, you okay. get guys like that, yeah. yeah. And Leroy, believe me, Leroy was pushing himself every day because Leroy. He, he, what whatever skills he did lack he made up for it with tenacity sure and and uh, yeah but that's every day you, you're competing against guys that any one of those guys could be a medal of honor winner on any certain day because that's how much they want to be and that's how much they want to push themselves and i you're selling yourself short i know you're a little ginger guy but come on, I'm, a little, I'm, a, I'm a five foot nine hundred sixty pound mexican guy but i know we could still carry our weight if we needed to but you're right every day every day it was shit man okay i gotta go back and prove myself again today yeah but that's that's what made it so special there well I, and, I it, and it it doesn't have to i think like just going on into life it doesn't have to be this like you know a, a fear driving it but i think it's important to surround yourself with people that you consider to be better than yourself in some Motivated. way or in another way because you know you be around people that push you you know you might push them yes. in certain ways but you know i've i've tried to not always successfully but tried to seek out places and i feel like i'm there now you know at, at black rifle i i try to seek out places where in my field i'm around people who are better than me at what i do and you know it, at least obviously you know, if somebody's working for you, that's not the case. But, it, you know, the people who are above you, certainly, and the people who are like your peers, you know, just the whole culture of like trying to get better, trying to do better at your job, trying to be better as a person in general, you know, and and surrounding myself with with people who are better than me is, is a way that I've found that when I do that, it improves myself like a, a lot. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask, how did the how did the Black Rifle Coffee connection happen uh, with Coffee or Die? Um, I was looking for a place to write and um, I started just hitting up people who were publishing and then I eventually got across <laughs> Marty's desk and started writing for Coffee or Die. And then I, I have worked as a copy editor before, so I started doing some freelance copy editing with them and just sort of taking on more responsibilities as time went on. I started like doing a lot with their social channel, especially Instagram. And then after a while, I um, Black Rifle, like, you know, larger, big Black Rifle the uh is was looking for a social media manager and you know i kind of fit the bill and got hired and been working there that's so cool man because Ma marty really is such a solid guy and i could tell you from the last time i saw marty i've hung out with marty a bunch of times but yeah, the yeah. very last time i saw him was when his dad was dying he knew his dad was going to pass away from uh it's aos was what he died of right i'm just trying to remember off the top of my head but um so Marty, with his dad, Marty Sr., he had basically a bucket list of things he wanted to do. And, and one of those things was, I think, visit the Netherlands. And one of them was visit New York City. And he yeah, came yeah. to New York City. I got to show them around. Sweet. And, I mean, his dad had such a great attitude about things considering all that he was going through, sure. having trouble communicating. And I just thought it was so stand-up of Marty to say, I'm going to put my life on hold and I'm going to – do every single one of these things on my dad's bucket list. You know, I'm putting yeah. work aside and I'm going to travel to wherever my dad wants to travel. And sure. that's the type of guy Marty is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I've, yeah, I've, um, we've been working. So I never actually crossed paths with Marty before. That's so crazy before to me. Before out now, right? No. This is so, a lot. That, a lot that's of the, the internet, man. Yeah, it's yeah. so crazy because, like, technically, yeah, Chris is in Nebraska, as you guys know. But at least I've hung out with Chris a whole bunch yeah. of times. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh man, I've 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 worked remote for so long, like, um, that 
there's so many people that I should have met that I haven't met um, in person, but that I've talked to for countless, countless, countless hours over the phone or Skype or whatever. Um, and you do feel like you know them. Like when oh, you yeah. walked in the oh, studio, yeah, sure. I felt like you were not a new person. Yeah, no. I've talked to Luke countless times. No, yeah, so, yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah, it's just the way it's the way of the world, man. And you know, I live in upstate New York, and and not many people live in upstate New York. So, I um, and you know, we always talk about <laughs> yeah. New York on this podcast, and I think people forget that New York is not New York City. There yeah. are parts yeah. of right. New York where people still love to go shooting. They love their guns, and they are not, you know, eating uh, like here avocado toast for twenty dollars. Yeah. Like it, it's it's a totally different atmosphere. Even where I am on Long Island, when I come into yeah. the city, it's a different vibe. People on Long Island generally a little bit more friendly, a little bit more, um, you know, it feels like home to me because it is home. Yeah. Uh, there's spots where you can see great points of nature and you're not in this uh, rat race that is New York City. But this is just the media capital of the world. If you want to do something in the field that we do a lot of times you have to be here, and it is yeah. it's like a necessary evil. Yeah, unless you ha- unless you have a great producer like Ian, who shoots, <laughs> yeah. then you can live in the Midwest <laughs> and, and still be remote. So you guys keep talking about being. I'm gonna still stay remote over here, being <laughs> Nebraska, New York, New York. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm, I'm, go, go well, ahead. when you when you even told me, Luke, that you were like, I'm driving in. I was like, ooh, it's gonna be tough man, because yeah. driving to the city it is yeah. the worst. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know. I figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Do you no. do you like being in upstate New York currently? Um. Yeah. 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 I like it now. I'm actually going to move though to Texas pretty soon. To That's going to be, be awesome. on location at Black Rifle. So I'm excited about that. I thought Black Rifle was based out of Utah, or do they have they, they have several they, places? One major location in in Salt Lake City, and one in in San Antonio. Got it. So, okay. And they have a lot of physical locations here and there, but those are the two main sort of. Uh, places and and yeah, I'm ex- I'm super excited to go down there. I've been kind of nomadic since I got out of the army. I I only lived. I've only lived in New York for like a year and a half. I was in Florida before that and then California before that. So um, since I've been out, I've been doing a lot of moving around. But I'm excited to go down to Texas. I'm excited for uh, – Is that San Antonio or Austin? Yep, San Antonio. San, San, you, yeah. Dude, you, it's, you're going to love San Antonio. San Antonio is awesome. Yeah. I love it. It's beautiful down there. And you, you, you don't still run – I think I'm one of the few rangers that actually still runs a lot. Most I run a lot. Yeah, running. I'm a big runner. Uh, you're, then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, then you you got to at least do – you got the river. I know it's – it's again, it's it's something that's uh, that everybody does, but it is worth it going and running the entire river walk. And as you can go miles, it's, especially at night, dude. Just yeah. go to, I mean, you're going to have to weave around people. But it, it is it's worth it. Just like going when you go to New York, I had to run Grand Central. Yeah, uh, I, I had to run Central Park yeah. once. I had to run the Chelsea Pier. I had you know you have to do those things. Those are like oh, bucket yeah. list for runners. And the River Walk is definitely a bucket list, dude. Go do Sweet. go do at least once during the day when nobody's on it, and then once at night it's like an obstacle <laughs> course, but the lights are everywhere. It's, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty. <laughs> no, I'm all about it, man. I mean, I lived in I lived in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand for five years, and that's tourist central. I have no reservations about doing. So many people just want to stay off the beaten path and like I really enjoy doing that but I also know that most of the quote unquote off the beaten path places that you go to if you're just visiting a place are actually just you know alternative tourist destinations tourist so destination. I have no reservations yeah. about going to if something's cool like I'll go see it I like <laughs> going there I, I don't know um I figured you are a tourist unless unless uh you actually like live there for a long time so 
um, yeah, no, I'm happy to go there, see all the cool stuff. Uh, my girlfriend and I already went to the Riverwalk visiting down there pretty recently, so it's pretty cool, pretty legit. Uh, a beautiful dude. I, I love running San Antonio everywhere. I'll just I'll run everywhere up there, and just just it's the best way to see places to me, especially if running is a religion. Man, it's mm-hmm. the best way to experience any place. I I nice. love the road. I, I've never been to Thailand. One place I've ever been, wouldn't mind going there. And you just have to tell me where I can and can't run. Because sometimes I just <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I'm not real smart. I ran in Baltimore once, and there was in areas I probably shouldn't have been running. I didn't know. I was ignorant. So I always have to ask. And I'm like, going this area? Or am I am I okay? So, but uh, no, bro. I, that's that's amazing. And I would. I I I'm, I envy your time in Thailand. I would have loved to see that. Man. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so you know what I was going to say when you talked about all of uh, these places that you've moved to? This seems yeah. like, and I could be wrong in this because I don't know every single uh, aspect of when you've moved. Is this the first time you're moving for an actual opportunity? Like on paper, I have a job doing this because I think that takes some guts to just move somewhere and be like, I don't know what the plan is, but I want to live here. Oh, yeah. When I lived in – so when I got out of the Army, I moved to San Francisco. I lived there for a bit, a bit less than – not very long, uh, a bit less than a year. Um, I loved it there. Really expensive but awesome place. Um, but then for a bunch of reasons, we – we decided to leave me and my, my roommate who was a, a Seco guy, three, seven, five. Um, and we, we were like, okay, we're going to leave. And his girlfriend at the time now wife, uh, we were just like, well, where do you want to go? We asked her and you know, we just go anywhere, you know? And she was like, well, I have a grandma who lives an hour away from Tampa. So we're like, Oh cool. Let's go to Tampa. So we literally, you know, it was like, it was a long drive from San Francisco to Tampa. It's about as long as you can get, you know, East West. And, uh, yeah. So we did. We put through everything in a big 14 foot U-Haul and we drove over. Um, and you know, I, I took a, I did an, like in there, I, I was going to school online for a bit, uh, for a semester and did some construction work and then went over and did some aid work with my dad, uh, in Burma. And by the way, was, was it weird doing construction work? Because I feel like your passion is a writer and you're a great writer. Was it weird to have to like put that aside and do manual labor? Yeah, I mean, so I was also going to school online. I I obviously don't have any reservations about doing physical labor for work because you know battalion <laughs> is that. But for sure. but you know it, it does sometimes it did sometimes feel like you go from this grand like job that's on a global literally on a global yeah. scale to to working construction. We were actually not even construction. We were ripping out uh, black mold from a from infested yeah. places. So it was like, yeah. you know, you get in all this like protective gear and you go in there and rip it down. And me and my buddy were doing it together. And I, I, he, he probably handled it a bit better than I did in general. I didn't like it, but I mean, man, uh, that's the type of stuff that's good for you. I mean, it's, it's good to like, it's not something I would want to spend my life doing because I want to write, not because it's a, you know, it's, it's a totally honorable and awesome thing. And there's a lot of guys who really like, you know, they've got a lot like an awesome constru- career in construction sure. You know, but it's hard to do something that, like, you know, you don't want to do. So I would assume um, it makes you appreciate it more because I've been there before, too. And, and like, you get to say, I'm a full time writer writing about subjects that you're passionate about. I mean, we had, uh, you know, Corey Alanis, right? I'm not going to say his real name, but he's written for. Yeah. So what he was saying that I thought was interesting was. Uh, on the episode he was on, he was talking to someone from Germany and she was like, your media is so 
ridiculous. Everything is all Trump all the time. And I feel like if you want to work in media, there has to be a Trump connection to everything. And luckily, you get to do what you want to do. You get to be a journalist and write about all these international affairs that are important to you. And, you know, the media revolves around one man. And yeah. it's it's nice for to show people there's other things going on in the world yeah. that you should be informed the, about. The cool thing about being a writer is that like everyone else, you're not really special. I mean, you are special in that everyone's special, but like there if something interests you there is a market for it because there are more people like you out there so if if you're the type of guy who wants this like non mainstream media like recycling the same headlines over and over just some like you know tweaking of words difference and that's it like if you want if you want something that that you would passionately read about if you write about it somebody somebody else will read it so it's it's still a craft it's still a business you still have to like you you have to be good at it and you have to be willing to take criticism um which can be difficult with especially with anything that you know encroaches on the realm of art and um but you really it's there there is a market for it it's t- tapping into it, that market or or showing people out there that you you know you have this piece that you know that for them to read that can be difficult but if you can get through all that it's it's pretty cool because people will read it and they like it. There's a demand for it because like you're just, you know, kind of talking about people can get tired of the same thing. Even if you agree or disagree with what's being recycled out there, it doesn't, there are other facets to life than the main headlines recycled over and over. I mean, there are, there are, there's so life is such a full experience and to focus on one part of it um, is, is to really limit yourself. I mean, that's with my poetry. I've, I've tried to explore it's war poetry, but I've tried to explore all of these facets and corners of war. My experiences with violence and war are fairly limited. I mean, I've got, you know, several years in the military and now this, and some experiences as a kid, you know, I didn't, I, I'm not one of those guys that went on 12 deployments, you know, to Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq and all this stuff. But even with four or five years, you can ex- you can sit down and explore. Like, I mean, I could probably write a whole book of poetry about road tripping. I mean, any life experience there is like <laughs> there are these incredible facets to, and just to unpack them and explore them, especially for anything traumatic, is very cathartic. But also, um, you know, just to help yourself understand it, it's kind of a form of therapy. But it's also like it's just it's cool. It's profound, you know, to unpack and explore all of these corners of life. Um, and I try to do that with my poetry and my articles is just to unpack the unexplored corners of, of, you know, whatever's out there that people haven't talked about before. That's, and it is important for, for guys like yourself to get out there, journalists, ones that like to write because of that recycling that's going on right now. I, as a, and I'm not, I, I would ra- honestly, I would be on the other end of the spectrum. Instead of writing something, I would rather go out and I would rather go do manual labor. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. But that being said, that being said, you know, it, it is. I, I, from the outside perspective, this is from a non-writer, a non and and, and maybe yeah, I've got a podcast, but I'm not media, yeah, nothing I mean, like that. Just sure, you are. It's, it's, this it's, is where it's we dead. are. <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's. It, but the real to me, real journalism, the investigators, it, it's done. It's dead because they're just people are just pulling stuff. I, I worked. Ver- they're verifying it off off the internet. They're verifying somebody else's work off the internet. That is, it's nothing. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, to me, it's 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 not. It, there isn't investigative journalism out there. It's it's all partisan. It's all politicized, and 
and it's it, it's it's hard for me to even that's why I don't even read. I, I don't even read any of the papers anymore. I don't read. I don't watch Fox News or CNN anymore. I used to watch both just to get, I don't even do that anymore. It's just it's so I, from the normal me, a normal person. I'm so tired of it. But it's you, so awful. You know, though, looking at it. It, just like in business. So, you know, in business, you identify a need and you fulfill that need with your business. You know, you, people need yeah, soap. Yes. So you make soap because they need it and then they can clean themselves. Uh, but well, it's the same with guys, like yeah. more. Yeah, right. Most guys. Um, <laughs> it's the same with moral or ethical dilemmas, I think, in in like any society, you know, and we're talking about American society. Um, you know, if there is there is a need, it's not necessarily it, it's it is a need and it's it can be that need can signify the death of something that was successful in the past, but it's also an opportunity for people to fill that gap. And it's an opportunity with the internet has, we have this oversaturation of information. We have this oversaturation of everyone shouting at walls pretty much and at each other. But we also have this, (laughs) we also have opportunities and and it really takes like a unique, you you really have to be at the cutting edge of it. And, um, but you can, you can use it to your advantage and you can fulfill those needs. You can try to, you know, how do I use this, this access to information around the world to promote, you know, solid journalism to somehow, you know what I mean? To promote like stories, to, to get stories that people want to read out there to really like do my due diligence and to attack these problems in a way that's, you know, truthful and not driven by an agenda and or if it is, if you know, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, if you're, well, if you're an opinionated, it, 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 if you're writing a, an opinionated yeah. novel, then obviously it's going to be opinionated. But, you know, doing it in a way that more speaks to the human experience than it does to just a, a superficial sure. political agenda. Um, but so th- I think there's an op- a big opportunity like now and in the future because everything's in flux. I mean, you know, what we're describing is just this huge chaotic explosion of the Internet and of information and nobody knows what to do with it and nobody knows how to work it. And like you said, you're identifying all these issues and, you know, like investigative journalism is is now side by side and drowned out by 50 articles of that are just like opinions written as fact, you know, and it's so hard to tell truth from fact. We're so oversaturated it, it, with information. It, it is. It's um, it's 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 an investigative pundits now is what I should call them. <laughs> yeah. Investigative journalists. It, right. It, but but that's good that to hear that, brother. And that's also why when you know I when I I I, I wanted to write with have I'm gonna, sure Luke because I, I know you're going to put down whether you think I'm a shithead or not. You're going to write it down. <laughs> you're going to you're not. And that's 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 what I admire, and that's what I. That's, so I, I I'm glad you said that. I, I figured you'd answer that way, but I I'm glad you did, man. And then you you answered it perfectly. And you're right. I, that's I'm, I'm makes me feel like we're in good hands with because you we have a new generation uh, like yourself that are coming up and realize that yeah there there is a problem. Okay, there is a gap sure. here yeah, where yeah. we need to fix it. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's awesome to hear, brother. Yeah. Well done. The the unfortunate thing is, and I've heard people like Jack Murphy talk about this before yeah. and, and kind of uh, be angered by it. We the people are kind of to blame for what's going on in journalism. Oh, yeah. If we didn't click on this stuff all the time, yeah. they wouldn't write it. But But people do like shouting matches and split yep. screen debates and forming an opinion on an issue before they even know what the issue is. Uh, if if we didn't watch it and we didn't click on it, it would go away. I, I have friends in journalism who I went to Hofstra University with who were doing great investigative work, and it turned out that like no one was clicking on that Nobody's stuff. They were yeah. clicking on, you know, <laughs> yeah. I I have a friend who was who was doing like 
investigative work on homicides and all different things happening. Yeah, and yeah. it turned out that these local paper, papers he was working for, the big story was like, where in Queens does N- Nicki Minaj buy her wig? Right. And and he was just like, I can't make money off of this. And it's yeah. it's kind of frustrating because I think there's no reward for doing what you're doing. But I am glad to see that there's new venues like Coffee or Die for people who do want to read this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a matter of being trying to be adaptable. I mean, and it is an it's a it's a metaphorical knife fight out there. I mean, there's so many so many articles that I've written that have gone un, virtually unread. You know what I mean? Um, like I, put, I heard Jack say, for example, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you because no, I'm just good. thinking of this. I remember Jack once sitting down and saying, like, I could write a great investigative piece on China. I could cite all the works of where I've read this stuff. And he's like, I know for a fact that if I write an article about a guy dressed up as an army ranger at the mall, that's going to get more clicks. Right. And he's yeah. like, so, and he was saying to the audience, don't tell me you guys don't want to read that stuff because yeah, yeah. I know that's what you guys <laughs> click on. Yeah. Yep. No, it's, it's true. I, and I mean, so many issues in, you know, the U S in the political sphere, the media sphere are our own fault, you know, and, and how, how everyone else can do better is what people like to talk about, but how can I do better is you know is what we should be asking ourselves how can i navigate this world and at least contribute i mean just like it's like voting i mean voting with your dollar voting with your actual vote whatever you're voting with voting with your eyes voting with your clicks like i mean being being aware of the world you live in and if you're going to try and navigate it if you're going to be online and you don't know what you're doing you're going to be contributing to the problem <laughs> i mean it's just that's just how it is and but it's really that's it's just a new landscape. I mean, that personal responsibility is has has existed and and been in both short supply and you know people have needed it for a long time. And the internet is just the latest you know area or arena where it's <laughs> we're in dire need of people having a bit of personal responsibility. You know, um, and to <laughs> yep. to you know because there's a lot of things personal responsibility being like. But what does that what does that exactly mean? It means am I aware of forces that are trying to influence me in certain ways? Am I aware of confirmation bias? Am I aware of which stories are put out on what platforms and what those agendas might be of those platforms? Obviously, you can't just know, you know, I mean, a lot of these things happen, you know, out of the limelight, a lot of the decisions. So trying to make an informed decision can actually take a lot of work. And that's where the personal responsibility piece comes in. Because, you know, it's a lot of work. you got to learn this practical. It doesn't feel practical because it's the Internet, but you got to learn this practical field that you're you're if, if you're on Facebook and you're on clicking on all these news stories, you're playing on the field. Yeah. So, you know, if you can either not learn how to navigate it and be totally duped by whoever's trying to, you know, trick you or or push you towards certain agendas, you know, or you can really try to learn this kind of stuff and, and try to be you know, a, a proactive listener and a proactive reader and um, you'll be a more effective member of American society. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what I wanted to ask you? I mean, if you turn on the news right now, everything going on is either Trump, the Democratic primary, coronavirus, which is pretty getting more serious than I originally yeah. thought, to be honest. What is like the big story in the world you're investigating right now that is going completely unnoticed? Um, my this I don't know if I would call this a story that I could write a single thing about. Maybe you could talk to a bunch of psychologists or something. Um, my biggest passion for 
sort of the the state that the United States is in politically uh, and in the media is that I believe that the mechanism of debate and argument itself is broken. So let's say you have the right answer of whatever issue we're talking about, right? And then you have these people who that you obviously believe are in need of the right answer because they don't have it. So, you know, our way of doing it now is like, I'm going to go over there and tell them the truth. And they'll either have open minds and open ears and listen to me, or they're not going to listen to me. Right. But the, it's more like if you have uh, a pickup truck full of food, you know, bananas, and you have a bunch of starving people down the street or across a bridge or something, and your, your truck's broken. It doesn't matter how much food or how much truth you have. If your mechanism of delivery is broken, yeah. then you're there. You can't expect them to just start eating. So the, a lot of a lot of these debates are actually never leaving the station. They're never they're never like they're they're never effectively communicating anything. Yeah. They're they're only feeding the people who are right there standing next to you who already have you know. Then that's that's giving it the grand assumption that what you have is true. You know, this information you have is true. So I always thought it would be really interesting to explore that from a psychological standpoint. Um, how, you know, I, I guess I don't really know how that would would operate so much. As far as like... Yeah, I, I just even meant beyond that. There's there's so much stuff happening yeah, in the yeah. world in war that is not even reported in the mainstream. And if it is, it's buried somewhere because we have to talk about Bernie Sanders and Trump right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd have to think about that one. Um, I, I there's a like lot of. The, I, I do like your mechanism in comparison, the analogy you're making, because it to me it's it, you're the people that are already want to hear what you have to say. The people that and we'll put it just easy. The people already love Trump. They're standing right next to that banana truck. The yeah. people that already love Elizabeth Warren, they're already standing right next to that banana truck sure. too. But you may have some information uh, that needs to get down to other people, whether it's good or bad, with either, and they're not hearing it. It, it just and people and sometimes they don't. I think some people are in another. You may have that truck that's working. They're going to run away from that truck because yeah. they don't want. They don't. Want right. Well, that's true. That's definitely true. And, yeah. But I like I like that I'm gonna steal I'm stealing that brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean a lot of people a lot of people they blame the other people for not eating you know yeah. picking up on the truth when like why would they listen to you when you're delivering it that way? You're you know delivering what? I, it with so I, much like hate or anger or something like yeah. why would anyone oh, listen yeah. to you? I'll like, tell you something right. and and a part of this audience will probably be mad at me because this is <laughs> uh you know more conservative leaning audience which I am myself but sure. I try to uh, look at things objectively. The, the stuff that I've seen in the past week, so we had the Harvey Weinstein thing that happened. Yeah. And I've noticed on Twitter, people are posting like, this is Michelle Obama with Harvey Weinstein. Here's Barack Obama with Harvey Weinstein. And you know what it made me remember is I got to tell you guys, I once board off to Harvey Weinstein for a radio show. If I'm being completely honest, could not have been a nicer guy. Super humble, came in, did not have an entourage, just him, totally personable. So if you think, you know, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama knew what was going on, the guy, the <laughs> yeah. guy didn't run around with a shirt that said, like, I'm a sexual predator. Right, right. People didn't know. So, yeah, it's more of that whole, as you said, confirmation bias. Like, see, this is who they were hanging out with. Jeffrey Epstein, totally different story. But when I saw that, I was like, this is kind of creating a story out of nothing. And yeah. people love to have that gotcha moment uh, and post it on Twitter and be like, see – this is who the Democrats pow around with. And I'm like, uh, this, is a, this is a little bit of a stretch being 
I met the guy and they probably the same experience I did. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, the first one of the first rules that I go by when I'm just browsing or I try to go by uh, and I fall in the same trap that everybody else does here and there is like I see this, I agree with it. My my first reaction when I'm trying to train myself to this. do is like who's <laughs> who's telling me this? Yeah. I agree with it. Who's telling it to me? And why are they telling it to me? And what's their what's their deal? <clears throat> I mean, like we got to be more critical of the people who we agree with than anyone else because they they're on your team and if they're if they're telling f- like lies or or these things that they're or or like half truths the people on your team they're making all of you look bad so like yeah. whoever's on your team at the very least if you have to align with a specific team then you know if you see something and you agree with it you know like oh wow like i i hate these people and this guy's now a public bad guy like Oh, you know, if if that's how you think, and all of a sudden you see them together, you're like, ha, you know, gotcha. It's like, yeah, and they, like, they did the no, same dude, thing with like with Trump, you know, because he was at some party with, uh, you know, they, they, the video of him with Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, my reaction was uh, getting a picture or video with Trump. Trump is like. He's like a Paris Hilton almost. You know, like how many people have taken a picture with him? Sure, yeah, it yeah. doesn't mean that there's a tie there. It doesn't mean there's a connection there. Just dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. Now, and and I'm not saying this to take a side, but like Bill Clinton, on the other hand, who we knew flew on Lolita Express, that's something I want to investigate a little bit sure. more than there's a video of them laughing about something. So, yeah, but I what I, what I was getting at originally is I just hate and, – and I guess I'm perpetuating it. But like the, this is the center <laughs> I know of what the you're news. About. Yeah, yeah. And I love the fact that you're reporting on things going on in the Middle East, going on in Asia that the mainstream America is not even aware of. I mean there are countries that are – you know, Burma being a good example that are – a constantly tumultuous state. I mean, and and there are so many countries out there that I don't know much about, and that I I, I you know I certainly don't write about them, um, obviously. But these countries like Burma that I do know a little bit about, you know, these uh, there's so much stuff happening. I mean, it's this it's these countries that are just as complicated as ours, and, and there's just as many, you know, like agendas going left and right and. Uh, at conflict with each other and all of these people who are super hyper aware of every facet of the conflict that live there and that are, you know, everything, all these things that are going on. And, and one goal that I have as a writer is to try to do my best to make that palatable to, because I understand and know that my audience is American. So my readers, most of them are American. So if, if I was writing to, for example, a, a tire of Burmese audience, I would be writing a lot of different stuff. Um, but there's so many countries like that that are really, you know, there, there's just a, an infinite amount of things going on there. And it's so easy for us for a number of reasons because so much of the media is physically based in the U.S. because of our geographic isolation as the U.S., because of just, you know, half the things that are made on the Internet are made in the U.S., like all of these things – kind of make us feel like shut in from the rest of the world and and not everything out there affects us directly that doesn't mean we shouldn't be aware of it you know there's a lot of human suffering that we should be aware of regardless of whether we can do anything about it or not we should certainly be aware of it um, as a first step to anything you know and and we also have this sort of very separated mindset because of all that stuff that sometimes I think lends itself to um, 
I don't know if we really understand that a lot of other governments don't have the same freedoms that we have. So freedom of the press being a huge one, you know. So so if if a if a huge government exercises some huge conspiracy overseas, that's one thing. But you have these medium to small countries um, that they're not. I don't even know if I'd call it a you know a conspiracy or anything. They can cover up giant atrocities, you know, mass murders, literal mass murders, just because. You know, you don't have freedom of the press. You don't have, you know, we've got our whole slew of problems and they're very serious problems that need to be addressed. Um, But the fastest way to lose something is to not even know that you had it. So, you know, I think it it, providing awareness of all of these other countries and shedding shedding a light on it not only is good just to shed a light on human suffering around the around the globe to people who could potentially, you know, be swayed by it and do something about it at least a little bit. Um, But it's also good for us to appreciate, I think, the things that we have and to not take it for granted so we don't lose it because – I I agree. These nations, like like what you're saying, state-run propaganda or state control of the media. We – I can see – last year, if you had asked this, I could say, yes, I am seeing it move that way. Whether it be one or the other, I'm seeing seeing the state-run propaganda – start to take hold where we were just getting fed BS, whether it was from Fox or was from CN, it was an agenda that was, that was put out there. But with like I said, I mean, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons agree. why I said, I said it with the end to do the podcast. I saw this was the way to stop that with your, like, like coffee or die that, that sort of outlet, these podcasts, that sort of outlet, Pat Militich is out there with the conspiracy. I love his, I love talking to Pat Militich <laughs> over there, but those are the sort of things that are now the checks and balances with those big media. So I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. feel that way. Anymore. Now I'm looking and go, no, I think we're good because of just what you said, because you have people like that out there saying, all right, guys, all right, sides, screw the sides. If you want to take, take a side, I, I don't take a side anymore. I used to, I don't. And I'll admit that. I, I, I think I made a mistake taking a side. Sure. I needed to have an open mind, have some common sense that I'd lost. But now people are are starting to to really get back. All right, you're right. Now we're doing our due diligence. Now people are waking up more. I, I believe so. And I see that in the because I get out there and I speak a lot. So I get to meet a lot of different groups, whether it be and they're not politically driven groups. These are corporations. So you're seeing groups, yeah, yeah. people that that are from both sides of the aisle, and you're starting to see them really. I, no, they're they're everybody's opening their their minds a little it's it's going to be a little bit because we you're right we dug ourselves in that hole yeah we're coming out of it and now you're and you know you're, you're you're spot on and it's good from what you just said to me it gives me another feeling as well yeah we're not we're not going that direction last year though i was like, gosh damn yeah. we're turning into algae there's going to be an algae zero out there pretty soon we better uh we better but i but it's it's good to see that that you're out there just doing your due diligence and to hell who it offends, putting the truth out there and just saying, this is what we need to talk about. And this is what, this is what's going on here. Are the facts behind it. Um, and, and, you know, it's close enough to being a scientific journal, but just not as dry as reading a scientific journal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I mean, brother. that's my goal with, with anything that I write, especially anything that's even semi news related. I mean, obviously if I'm talking a, a story about myself or, or, Something that I've uh, have a direct opinion about that I'm saying, hey, this is my opinion, um, which I don't even write those in- anymore. Uh, not because I don't care about those things, but because I don't think it's effective. And when everyone yeah. else is shouting their opinion, but anyway, when I write these articles, I feel that one of my goals is that the reader doesn't understand or couldn't tell you straight off the bat what I think, what my 
agenda is or what my goals are. They couldn't, they couldn't really tell you. I, I, I really rely heavily on quotes and then I go back and, you know, with, with people and try to construct a cohesive narrative from, from people's quotes. That way there, I'm just a platform for people to tell their own stories because that's really what I'm doing as a writer. And as a journalist, you're telling other people's stories. So if I'm telling these other people's stories, I don't want the reader to be like, oh, this guy is obviously, you know, yeah. aligned this way or yeah. aligned that way or, or, or you yeah. know, he's an obvious centrist or he's an obvious Democrat or Republican or, or, or that's if it's a political thing or if it's a non-political issue. You know, this guy has opinions about literally anything. I mean, even like veteran suicide is something I'm super passionate about, you know, and, and um, I've written a bunch of articles on it. And but I, I don't there is a time and a place for me to project my opinions about what should be done, what, who, who isn't doing enough, um, certainly, and, and how they could do better. But if that's the intent of my article, that needs to be clear. And if it's not the intent of my article, if the intent of my article is to provide awareness that this is a problem in the first place, because a lot of people just don't know that, um, people need to be reading and, and think that I am an unbiased sort of voice. And when they, they don't think that when they're reading it, they just don't think anything, which is the goal as a, as a, author telling someone else's story they should be thinking about the story that you're writing um there's so many articles out there that are just some yeah, form of it, opinion that um, it, it, it's hard to get by that you're right because yeah. when you're reading an opinion when you're reading an article now you, first thing on my mind if i'm reading it is what's the angle here is there an angle they're right. trying to get after that <laughs> yeah, should, yeah. shouldn't be it it should be what's the story mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's, it's tough now we we've conditioned ourselves and you go back to agree with what both you said at the beginning we made ourselves this way. Yeah, we have to fight ourselves. Now we have to fight our way out of it, which we yep. can, but we have to fight our way out of it with, and, with, with like what you're doing. You know, kind of pulling all this stuff together. You know, like the the ranger mentality, the the politics and the media and journalism and all this stuff. What it takes is, I think, is a sense of optimism. I mean, you can't win a firefight if if you don't think that you can. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and you know what I mean. You're not going to shoot your like if you just. You have to have some level of optimism and people look oh, yeah. at that, look at optimism and they roll their eyes and they think it's stupid or childish or naive, but it's not. I mean, no. you know, giving up, you know, and, and sort of just sitting, I mean, you have to be realistic. You have to understand what the realistic parameters of the situation, you know, are, but you can't always see the way out. So it has, in order to find the way out, you might have to cling on to some optimistic hope that there is a way out. And as you navigate your way through and then what that optimism does is it drives you to seek out solutions to the problem as opposed yep. to just constantly like a lot of pessimistic mindsets are constantly defining the problem over and over and over again. But you have to have at least a little, you know, molecule of optimism to say, hey, we need to get out of here. This problem as a country, as a as a as the world, as the country, as a uh, political, you know, group, as a group of people like veterans or whatever group you are a part of your family, you know, you have to believe that there is a way out. And once you believe that you'll start to like, okay, now you're, you're not in defining mode. Now you're in problem solving mode. Then it's just a matter of time till you figure it out. You know, it's yep. a big Rubik's cube of figuring it out and eventually you will. Um, but it, and, yeah, and no, I agree. I agree with you, bro. I, I, optimism. I, 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 I don't think that's a problem. It shouldn't be labeled as a problem where people, if they roll their eyes at being optimistic, wow, we we need to talk. I need to yeah. have a talk to a <laughs> sensing session with you. Yep, you I should agree. always be optimistic. Never yep. there, there's there's always a way 
to win or get out of it eventually as long yep. as like you, you said just keep keep moving forward and problem solving and you said you can control your just have a do your best to control your attitude and i'm not saying that just as i've not been there before i, I have yeah where i'm like god i just don't want to i don't want to get out of bed today now get your ass out of bed all right <laughs> yeah keep moving forward now that's it's good that's good positive and it, it falls in line yeah. with the, the, even our podcast with we do me and Ian, we we want to we want to stay positive. We yeah. Yep. There's, oh, yeah we absolutely. talked about some negative things here, like oh, things yeah. that could be construed. But in the end, it's what did you just say? Hey man, just stay positive, optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Find be optimistic in everything you do. That's that's all. That's awesome. I'm done. I'm done. We're done. For, we can we can finish this. We can finish the episode now. Let's finish yeah. on that note. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right, though. I mean, I I think that's been like a connecting theme of this podcast, which is pretty yeah. cool. And and also the same thing you're saying about giving people a voice without having to form some narrative. Like uh, people do know my opinions. I think sure. when they read my social media. But for example, like we had Dale Comstock on, who gave his opinion of what's going on in Iran and everything. And I I would put Dale in the category of a guy. I this is my opinion how I interpret it, who kind of wants to see America be the world police. I am not one of those people. I'm, I'm on sure. the total opposite end, like non-interventionist. But am I going to push back on him when he gives his opinion on that? No, because he's been there. He's done that. And I'd rather have him use this platform to give his point of view of things yeah. than ha- have a debate on every little thing. So I, I'm with you on that. Um, you know what I wanted to ask you about? So the book that you have out now, which is in front of me, sure. is The Gun and the Sheath. Scythe. Gun and the Scythe. Safe. Yeah, Scythe. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. totally pronounced that wrong. Yeah. Gun and the Safe. Uh, and you have a second book in the works yes. that will be out really shortly. Tell us a little bit about it. So my first book, The Gun and the Scythe, is a book of poetry. Um, it's war poetry. When I was on my second deployment to Afghanistan, my dad sent me a poem called Safety by Rupert Brooke. And it, he was a World War One infantryman, a British guy. And there's a lot of World War I, I would lay. I carried that throughout all my deployments uh, after that and um, learned about a lot of other British war poets and I you know I got my degree in English literature and learned more and kind of took more of an interest in all of these old British World War One war poets and uh, eventually years after I got out I started to write war poetry my own as a form of catharsis in it trying to understand these experiences that I had it's not really written for uh literary critics i hope that every anybody who can read it would like would like it but it's it's very much written for myself and for other veterans who have gone through this stuff it's not very complicated poetry um so my first one did uh a lot better than i thought it would i didn't realize that veterans would actually ever read poetry <laughs> you know <laughs> i wouldn't have thought that about myself when i before i even started writing the stuff and, and you're um, surprisingly not the only one leo jenkins wrote a poetry book yeah and there's a couple other guys out there that are doing it and and you know i feel like there is a resurgence in uh Jiwat poetry and uh, it's it's really just as a literature nerd of myself it's exciting and it's cool to see to to actually compare world war 1 poetry to Jiwat poetry and and the differences can be obvious, like especially literary differences in structure and whatever, yada, yada. But the similarities are really cool to, to see, you know, these like these transcendental ideas about war and violence that that don't change over 100 years, you know, and super interesting for me to see that. But yeah, so my next book is called A Moment of Violence, and it's just further exploring um, the different facets of war and, and post-war life and, you know, all – these different things. Like I said, you know, my experiences aren't, aren't nearly as, as lengthy as a lot of guys, a lot of guys' experience in war, but it's been really healthy for me to unpack, you know, the, the combat experiences that I do have into these pages and, and onto the, onto the paper. Um, 
you know, so um, then, you know, my next book probably come out within the next month or so. Um, I self-publish, so it's just up to me. <laughs> um, but I, I've really, I've really enjoyed doing it, and I've been really struck at how well the gun in the sight this has done. And I'm very excited to put out a moment of violence. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, it's very helpful for me to articulate these ideas to myself, and that's where I start with my poetry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see it come out. You have the rough draft in front of me. But a lot of you guys uh, are are really getting something out of doing this, including you, Chris, who just put out third book. So, Yeah, it's it's cathartic. It, it is cathartic. I didn't know there was another ranger that knew the meaning of cathartic. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> I, it, it, no, it, it is. It, it's, it, it, but it, it, to me, it, it's, it's being optimistic in – I think there's a lot of there's other guys' stories out there, like like Luke's, like Tom's, like Rob Jabber, like like Scotty Guerin, like you know you know uh, we got a you know you've got so many uh, things that have gone that got men and women have been through that they can utilize uh, that they can utilize as far as teaching and lessons learned to those that in the civilian world and, and also those going in the military about never giving up about obstacles, about yeah. dealing with adversity. And it's, and it's, it, it's the way of turning, just like I believe you're really doing with your poetry, Luke, utilizing stories of those that may have been through horrendous acts and utilizing that as a positive to help other people overcome just normal things in life. Like when somebody forgets to record, put on the record button when we're doing the podcast, (laughs) 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 but it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not just to put it in perspective. It's just that everybody has this ability to overcome an obstacle in them. And here's some examples. Yes. It has it at the extreme, but then I also have Ben Morgan in there who, who overcame alcoholism as a teenager to become a ranger. Right. So it's like, so it's, it's those kind of things. Positive. It doesn't always have to, to be like Ian and I, Ian and I always make fun of it. We made fun of today with you. It always always have to be the worst terrible thing out there. Partisan politics. The world's going to end. The left's yeah. killing the world. The right's killing the world. It's like stop it. Here, here's something positive. Learn from it. We are still in a good state. We are still have a tremendous or tremendous country. We still are the greatest. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think the greatest society in the world. And we have the ability to be optimistic, even in the worst case scenarios. So, yeah. well, I, I I admire you, man, and that's why that's why I believe more veterans, if you can, you know, tell your stories out there, even if it's just just at the bar. Hey, but being negative, not say, oh, I lost. We lost twenty some guys. I, I, I get it. I, I get it. I've I've have raced to and did cheers to fallen brothers as well. I get it. But let's let's go on and let's let's teach society how to how to overcome overcome the worst because yep. you can do that. And it's, it's, it's amazing, man. And so you're doing, you're doing a great job, bro. I wish I could do poetry. I can't write. <laughs> so that, that's not true though, Chris, cause you know what? I will always remember the article <laughs> that you wrote. Uh, th- this honestly got me through times before Wh- I even hung one? out with you often. I, I don't, one? I don't think it's even up anymore, but the article you wrote about the woman coming up to you at the airport saying, Hey, oh, yeah, hey yeah, you yeah. Tonto. Yeah. Keep, Keep telling your truth, and, yeah, and that, that got you yeah. out of out of a suicidal state. I mean, when I read that, I, I 
Yeah. I still think about that story. So you could write. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, that, you know, I guess that's not right. That, that to me is just just the moment and feeling and being being a real person. But I guess that's what a, I, I look. I'm, I'm not a, a, quote, a writer, so I don't know. If You're that, a well, writer, but not a journalist. Sure. I mean, you've, written, you've written three you books. Well, yeah, that's that's the go. thing, though. You just I mean, I, I'm going to butcher this. But Hemingway said um, writing writing is easy. All you got to do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. And I feel and like that, when no, you that, successfully that, do that, yeah, and it, yeah, it, right. it moves people, and and that's when you you know that you are a success as a writer is when I, you move I, people. You're, so I, I, no, you're you're writing in it, and Luke, well well put. I I know I I guess so. I just never I just this is me. This is real. Whether you want this, like yep. sitting by in a campfire and talking. That's what I'm doing in a book. Yeah, sitting at a campfire and we're just we're just chatting. Here's what I got do to do. And then, then the editors, cause I, I do very lucky to have a, a good publishing company. Then the editors get a hold of it and actually make it readable. <laughs> but, they, but, 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 um, but then they also change a few things in there that they're not supposed to change. Like, oh, no, 160th soar. It's not 160th soaring above. The, no, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. But, no, I, but I, I appreciate you guys both saying that makes me feel good. But I, I will never feel like I'm. When I think of writer, I think of yeah, Ernest Hemingway. I think of Stephen <laughs> King on the horse. Side. I think of that's what I think as a writer, like a professional. But uh, I'm just you're right. I'm just putting on paper and hoping, hoping. Some people read it and some people laugh at it, and it makes me that takes a little bit off my chest as well. So. Well, what happened to that article? Because I I truly loved that article, and it was something it, that it I thought written, of that got me through it, several times. Actually, it was written. It was I believe it was actually on Fox. Somebody on Fox wrote it, and it's out there somewhere, brother. It was an actual uh, where I did an interview. I actually did an interview with uh, was Martha. Was she still with Martha McCollum? Okay, at the time. and then. What happens if the interview is good? Uh, one of the Fox journalists or media will actually write an article about that's, that. that's what it what is then because it's been a yeah. while since I've yeah. read it, but I'll always remember that because it just was one of those yeah. moments that makes you realize that you know uh, you're going to have an impact I, on people whether you realize it or not. You saying that this older woman coming up to you, I remember that. Yeah, not even that. in the mood to talk it. and just saying, was, "Hey, your Tonto keeps speaking your truth." The fact that that pulled you out of a dark place, uh, it, it, was it was powerful. It. I was at Dallas DFW. I remember that. And it was right when everything first started. This was all new to me. It was right when the, when the movie actually came out, right when that came out. And I didn't know how to adjust to any of that. I was having the hardest time, and it took me three years to finally adjust to it. But, yeah, it was. It made me feel good. Like, okay, well, people – all right, all right, I can keep doing this. Whatever, whatever the hell I'm doing, I can keep doing it. But I felt such like a pretentious, egomaniac asshole out there because of – you had to be in all this media. And that's not what I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel comfortable with it. And it made me feel, it made me feel like guys like Luke that were actually out there doing shit. Like, look at this. He did when he's out there on TV. He's, he's he, like, he, they wanted the story out there. And I got, that's not what we wanted at all. But here we here. What do we, what do you do? Do you say no? When Michael Bay says, Hey, do you, I want to make a movie out of your book? <laughs> or do you say, I mean, so it was, it was, it was tough, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Ian. I know I remember that quite vividly, but it was a learning experience for me. Definitely wasn't, this made me a better person. And we probably wouldn't be having this podcast right now if that hadn't happened, man. So, and, and you don't even know who that woman was, right? Uh, nope. I still, I, I, if I saw her again, I probably would remember, but I didn't ask her name. I just, I was not in the mood. I was like on the road. I did not want to talk to anybody. I just remember her tapping me on the shoulder and asked me, I said, are you Tano? And I was like going to roll my eyes again because I thought she was going to ask me about Hillary Clinton again. It's like, Jesus, I don't want to talk about Hillary Clinton anymore. Um, 
but yeah, she said, just keep telling truth. She goes, I believe in you. Just keep telling your story. It's amazing. The, and, little, the little moments yeah. that can pull you up. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, brother. I I'm smiling right now. Cause I, I'd almost forgotten about that guy. That seems like just so long time, so long ago, but then he even see, feels like yesterday. And if you remember DFW right by the American airlines club, right there, yeah. right. When you go through security, I remember there's a Starbucks right there too. And just, yeah, tell, tell, tell Evan over there. I'm still drinking Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll relay the message. Yeah. And, and, uh, everyday grind still. <laughs> oh, I got, hey brother. I went out when everyday grind, as soon as they get them a barista shop, I'll be stopping at everyday grind in Elkhorn too, but I've still got, I just ordered another bag uh, last week. Got in the mail a couple, got in the mail a couple days ago. Yeah. And Josh is, Josh, Josh is saying, awesome. Great guy. Um, but yeah, wrapping things up here, follow um, Luke on Twitter and Instagram, who is the best handle ever uh, <laughs> on Twitter. It's lay underscore ginger, but, but it's L-E-S underscore G-I-N-G-E-R-A-B-L-E-S. It's like lay miserable, but the, yeah. the, the, the ginger version. Yeah. <laughs> and then on, uh, on Instagram, oh, lay ginger, but uh, with, without the underscore. So, uh, you know, which is ridiculous because more people would know you. If you were Luke uh, Ryan, you know. Oh yeah, dude. No, I I, I can't bring followers. myself. To, I can't bring myself to change it though. You know, no, it, I love Lemus Rob, bro. It's so good. That's also keep, like uh, you know, it. Rob O'Neill's got the huge following, but his name is Mikuya, and it would <laughs> yeah. probably be more if it was Rob. Everybody knows Rob O'Neill, but it's like Mikuya. We're all a bit stubborn in our own ways, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, once again, guys, uh, wanted to mention Fort Scott Munitions. We love what they do. They've been sponsoring yeah. every single episode of the podcast. Podcast. So many guys in this audience are shooters, they're hunters, and I think everybody has their opinion on what the best gun is, what the best handgun is, the best AR, uh, and a lot of people don't talk about ammunition, and it's important, as Chris will tell you. Uh, oh, Fort, yeah. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammo that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft, in soft tissue. What that means, it's going to leave devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammo was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. And this is exclusively what you use when you go to a battle line tactical course. This is what I have. Yeah, that's what I, I shoot. And actually, that's what I train with. That's what I have as my home defense ammo. It's it's. Right, it's I, yeah. I, I could spend ten minutes like I usually do on it. I won't. I won't this time. But it's the best ammo out there by by far. And, and if you're not going out there and giving it a shot, literally, uh, you're you're really selling yourself short. You're making a mistake. Go give it a try, and then once you do, you're you're not going to go back to it. And as far as the nine mil ammo, home defense ammo, yeah, that's 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 what you should have put in that put in that handgun you have in your house if you if you feel like you need one. I would just make sure you know how to use that thing. Come to a battle like tactical course. We'll yes. teach you how to use your hand. Good. But put that ammo in there and utilize it at least as your home defense. Um, the hunters already know it. You can go search uh, Fort Scott Munitions, look at their YouTube, yes. all the YouTube stuff they have out there, and you'll be able to see firsthand even the jail tests they do they put out there on YouTube. Definitely go check them out. Yeah, the Instagram is great too. Uh, yes, they, they have, and they do some giveaways on there. So you guys really should follow them at Fort Scott Munitions. Uh, use exclusive promo code Battleline for fifteen percent off your order 
only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. We love what they do. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. And I can't stress enough that we really love this audience for the fact that we're only three and a half months in on this podcast, <laughs> and people are really supporting these sponsors. And yeah. Chris and I decided not to go the route of Patreon and all that. I'm not bashing anybody who does, but I figured let's keep this thing free. Uh, and people could support the sponsors if they want to support us. We do have a T-shirt in the works, though. That'll be up soon, yeah. right? Yeah, actually, uh, the, for, uh, the first range, another Ranger, first Ranger bat, John Melema, American Trigger Pullers that does oh, yeah. do my apparel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're gonna go ahead and Sweet. do. Uh, they're gonna go and do the the podcast. I love ATP. I love American Trigger Pullers. You guys have enough out there at Black Rifle Coffee. You don't need Tonal. Tonal's hey, going to go first bat. <laughs> I got a I got an ATP uh, decanter, and it's awesome. It's legit. Oh, dude, and they're, oh, and yeah. they're awesome. And, and Alex Bailey, that that Aussie out there, that crazy Aussie, I don't think he ever sleeps, is always coming up with great designs. But no, I, I love American Trigger Pullers. To me, that that represents really what 275 is, the, the, the right on, politically yeah. incorrect side of <laughs> – of 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 second of a seventy fifth Ranger Regiment. I'm just the P, the PG uh, with us in the Battle Line podcast. We're there. We're like their PG rated division. So that's us over there with with the podcast and then Chris Perano and KPI and John fifteen thirteen and all that. They're fantastic guys. So I, I didn't realize that up in a week. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize he was Australian. That's awesome because um and that's awesome that'll be up in a week because uh our the guy who designed the shirt aaron water same guy who designed our graphic he's in australia and he does an awesome job yeah he's great i he's the guy i go to for pretty much anything with graphics um so yeah Yeah. we really appreciate you guys supporting the sponsors if you have any questions for the show uh we'll try to get to those on air if you can keep them concise to just a few sentences we'll we'll get to what we can uh it's battlelinepodcast at gmail.com uh, anything else before we get out of here, man? Anything else that you're promoting? I think we hit, a, hit a, on a bunch of stuff, but uh, what could people expect to see at Coffee or Die in the coming months? Oh man, we got got a whole bunch of stuff in the pipe. I gotta I gotta, I gotta look at a spreadsheet to tell you the answer to that one. And um, so you know what I got a lot of you? stuff. It's growing quick. When you say you haven't met a bunch of guys, so you, oh yeah, you've never met Marty in person. You said correct. Never met Matt Best. No, I have. Yeah. Hey, okay, because I've yeah. met Matt Matt Best. I feel like I've met all these guys that you yeah. work with. It'll not. change. I mean, I work remotely right now, so when I hit San Antonio, it just depends on on you know like who's there at the time, and and you know that'll change. Obviously, when I move there and I'm working there all the time, then you know then you meet everybody. I remember I was actually at a Will Cow event at uh, Emmett O'Looney's, and I walked outside, and Matt Best was, and he was he had nothing to do with this event. He just happened to be in New York for I think a UFC fight with Tim Kennedy. Nice, and he had a Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, it was like a windbreaker on, nice. and this is when I knew him from Article 15. Yeah, and Black Rifle Coffee was this new thing, and overnight it blew the fuck up. I yeah, mean, it, there is yeah. no bigger name really in this whole sphere of veteran-owned businesses. Everybody yeah. knows Black Rifle now, and he's doing something right. I have to mm-hmm. say, yeah, oh yeah, no, they're growing quick, <laughs> growing huge. I mean, part of it's I think because. They take they they take internal business just as seriously as you know the image side, which is what you generally see. But taking care of your own people, making sure all the practical day to day business stuff goes right, you know that that's yeah. taken just as seriously. Uh, a lot of a lot of I think startups and different companies that you know also like maybe not didn't exist five six years ago. Um, they want the 
quick benefit of a profit and they want to look like, you know, they, they want to be yeah, successful yeah. in the media sphere, but they're not willing to put in the, you know, like all the day-to-day work that comes with running a business, you know? And you have there's, to, you have. I mean, yeah. And I, I'm still pretty new. I mean, you know, for everything that I know, there's 10 other things that people are doing. I mean, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine that, that is growing fast and, and uh, a lot of people are really passionate about it. You have to give credit. And as much as I like to give them shit, and I saw JT at Texas range day. Great. And he, again, they, I've known these guys for a while. Great. I give them a lot of shit, but I, I do consider them all friends. Really, though, <laughs> yeah. I, I worked. I've worked with Evan uh, Hafer, who, who I, to me, I think is the brains behind the operational. And I, I it's because I know how smart he is. Because we used to train Afghanis in Kabul when uh, under different contracts with the agency. Right. And no, he, he's and he, he he's the first. He's he's the most genuinely nice guy in the world. He's he's, but he's he's brilliant. The dude is the dude is a closet smart guy. Really, I mean, <laughs> he really is, and and he is business savvy. Yep. And also, he hit that coffee thing uh, at the right. I mean, he, he hit the niche. I mean, you, sometimes you hit it at the right time, and he did. He hit it at the right time when there wasn't a lot out there, brand new. But also, you're right on the business side. He was smart business. He started learning the the, uh, the uh, analogs the, the of of social media, when to post, when not to post. You know, what, who was following what when when you're right. A lot of guys just go out there and just throw shit out there and, and really right. don't pay attention to the little things. And actually I learned as, as I've picked up even with my own personal stuff. And now that I've, you know, Antono is branded. It is, I, I, I can't say it's not, I've actually learned from him of, okay, when, what do, what do I need to do as far as on the little sure. things on social media and say, and, and, uh, and also, you know, it was at a good time too. And you didn't have to pay for exposure where yeah. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram now, yeah, it's, it's controlled. You have to pay for that exposure because uh, it, it be, get, being organic, it's tough to get the followers you need to, we, unless you're super patient to, to where in the past, yeah, you could get 150,000 followers within a week because there wasn't, you'd have to pay for sponsor. You'd have to sponsor an ad. It just went out. So hitting at the right time always helps too. And, 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 and they did BRC did, but yeah, Evan, and- again, the smart guy. Yeah, I mean, talk about passion for coffee. <laughs> it's like, you know, like oh serious God. passion for it and, you know, a love for it. And that yeah. definitely bleeds out to the whole company and out through the media and out through everywhere is that that passion. And, and uh, yeah, it's cool. Well, they got your, they got the writing side good with you and Marty, <laughs> yeah. and you couldn't no, you couldn't ask for for a better team. And Marty's awesome, dude. Love Marty to death. He's a tremendous, tremendous individual. And he wrote a forward on the Ranger Way when I wrote my second book. He wrote a he. It's his on the on the cover. Yep. I, I was so proud to have him. It was when I had Marty on there. It was it was like I had Ernst Hemingway writing the <laughs> forward on my books. Like awesome. I get Marty Scovlin. There's my ju- there's my validation to <laughs> right. Ranger Battalion that that I'm you no know, that I'm I'm a legitimate guy because Marty two seven five Ranger. I'm so yep. pr- so proud to have him on there. So good job, guys. You're doing an awesome job. Good job, Luke. Hell yeah. Well, Rangers lead the way. All the way. <laughs> All the way. And uh, we'll end it with that. All right. Right on. Thanks for having me on, man. No, no problem. Hey, thanks. Chris, thanks, man. Yeah. I, I think uh, people are going to dig this. Hey, brother, you, you, as long as you keep saying that after every episode, <laughs> when you, just now if you don't say it, I'm going to worry. So people you are going to fucking hate this. No. <laughs> <All right. laughs> hey, t- take care, guys. Go take your girlfriend out to dinner. She's been yeah, she's just oh, been yeah. sitting oh, here man. for like two hours. Jesus. <laughs> we, we need to get her on. I wanted to bring her on. I couldn't find that segue in to <laughs> say something smart to get her on. Yeah. The thing I could have said is, as I said, they both look like they're 12 years old. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, going on 14. (laughs) Have fun, fun, guys. I'll talk to you all later. All right. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye.
That's all for this week's Battle Line podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk, so make sure you're subscribed. And keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Badline Podcast. Also on Twitter at Badline Pod. As always, never quit. <laughs>